Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Good morning, Sean. A rare yeah. morning recording. It is a, a very rare morning recording. Uh, you just woke up. Uh, how are you feeling today? Are you uh, one who can just hop out of bed and really get going with the day? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I am, yeah. Well, I used to work shifts, so you know, you'd have to wake up and go and uh, you know, uh, when I lived in residence, uh, I was a residence advisor. Sometimes people would knock on your door and say, oh, my friend has passed out. I need your help. <laughs> and you just have to go and like be ready to go. So yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Although I remember one time, Scott, I, I went to visit you at, in UBC when you were a residence advisor or whatever you were called. And there was a fire alarm, and and you slept through it. And I had to go and like shake you awake to let you know uh, I, that the I fire alarm was going off. I did sleep through a fire alarm uh, once or twice, but you know <laughs> uh, that happens. Yeah, if it was a real fire, you'd feel it eventually. Uh, you yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> I was on the first floor. It's fine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the reason we are recording in the morning is that we have a special guest who will be speaking to us at night for him. It is Jason Chang, the skip of Team Hong Kong, who's over in Almaty, Kazakhstan, getting set for the 2021 Pacific Asia Curling Championship. Scott, this is the final edition of the Pacific Asia Curling Championship as it will be shifting to the Pan-Continental Championship where the Pacific Asia region and the Americas region will be combined into a single event as we move into the next quadrennial. So the 2021 mm-hmm. edition is the last one. I don't know, Scott, we, we've talked briefly about it before, but uh, I, I'm kind of sad now that we're here at the Pacific Asia Curling Championship. There's kind of a sadness for me that, that this particular event is going away. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. But, you know, coming out of the America's Challenge that we saw um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, last weekend, whatever it was, I'm excited going forward for the opportunity for teams like Brazil and Mexico to not have to go against the just Canada or just the U.S. You know, to get to get the chance to play against some of the countries that we see at the PACCs. You know, like uh, like Hong Kong that we're going to talk talk about, like uh, Kazakhstan, Qatar, these these other sort of up and coming countries. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think th- there could be a, a nice middle ground there on, on a B pool side of, of these teams getting games against more level competition. Uh, so there's a benefit there, and we'll we'll see sort of what the the offshoot of it is. You know, Jonathan and Ryan have talked about how maybe if if you're in a B side, it, it could hurt funding opportunities for some teams because you don't necessarily have a path into a world championship. So we'll see uh, sort of how it how it plays out. Uh, but this event uh, has only been around for 30 years. Jason mentioned that uh, in our discussion, uh, which feels it feels longer, but uh, a 30 year event. So this is the 30th and final edition of the Pacific Asia Curling Championship and uh, some some news that is coming out of it. We talked with Jason about this, that uh, there are some teams that aren't there. China has decided not to send a rep on either the men's or women's side, which means that China will not be participating 
in the 2022 World Championship. New Zealand and Australia are also not there, uh, nor is Nigeria, who could not get into the country. There was some some issues with visas to get Nigeria. And so the fields are much smaller than the 2019 version. Only four teams on the women's side, only seven teams on the men's side. So on the men's side, you got Chinese Taipei, Hong Kong, Japan, Kazakhstan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, South Korea. And then on the women's side, Hong Kong, South Korea, Japan and Kazakhstan. So, Scott, any expectations that you have as we look into this event? Uh, sort of, how do you maybe assess the fields? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that the uh, Japan and Korea are the favorites for both the men's and the women's. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that on the women's side, there's only four teams, so. In in one of these semifinal games, right? Uh, one of these teams, like you would you would assume Japan and China will be one two, yeah. And then you'll have uh, Hong Kong and Kazakhstan playing for that spot uh, to get into the World Championships. So it, a one game thing, it because it's going to be a double round robin into a three team playoff. Okay, so one of those two teams, likely Hong Kong, will have one game to try and get their team into the world championship. Yeah. So that will be interesting. Uh, I I would say not likely to happen, but who knows in one game, anything can happen for sure. See John Schuster. (laughs) And Ling had that opportunity in 2019. The skip of Hong Kong made the semifinals Mm -hmm. lost to Nakajima, the Japanese skip in that semifinal, but that would have been an opportunity to go to a world championship there. So we'll obviously have to see what happens there, but uh, you know, if, if anything can happen in a game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for on the women's side, on the men's side. Uh, it's just one spot in the world championships. Um, the, the other team will have to go to the last chance qualifier. So who is it going to be? Is it going to be Korea or is it going to be Japan? Um, yeah. That's what we're looking for on the men's side. I think that is sort of where where we're at with that. I would give the edge to Japan uh, myself with the the roster that they have. A little, you know, Yusuke Morozuma and his team. Uh, you know, they, I think they've had just a, a bit better results than Chengmin Kim and his team from Korea. So uh, just on that basis, I would give them the edge. But it'll be fun to see if that is the gold medal game. Uh, for that world championship spot be uh be fun to see so scott uh i had the chance to speak with jason uh, morning time here evening time over in almaty kazakhstan we talked right after the opening ceremonies and banquet and then the team had the opportunity to practice so he was very nice to join us from the hotel so scott let's get right into my chat with the great jason chang bit of a different looking field this year as you know as you mentioned China has opted out of this Pacific Championships not exactly sure what was the main reason behind that but there could have been a few the team might have been just focusing on their Olympic uh, Olympic training uh, I know there might be some quarantine restrictions traveling in and out of China that may have played a factor as well this year the world championships uh, you do not collect Olympic qualifying points for your nation. So missing this uh, world championships uh, would not affect Olympic qualification for the next cycle. 
Um, we know Korea, New, or sorry, New Zealand and Australia won't be there, and they're usually pretty stiff competition for Hong Kong, kind of in that middle of the pack, battling for, traditionally for that fourth playoff spot. And so with their absence, it maybe opens up an opportunity for some of the other uh, participants like ourselves, like Kazakhstan, like Qatar, like Saudi Arabia, to maybe sneak into the playoffs, especially without China there. There is really two open playoff spots on the men's side. Um, and on the women's side, uh, they've only got a four-team field. They're doing, using a three-game playoff now with the loss of Nigeria from the field because they couldn't uh, get visas to travel here, unfortunately. So again, maybe opening up an opportunity for a medal for, for uh, Kazakhstan or Hong Kong on the women's side. Yeah, well, let's let's just we should mention Nigeria. They were unable to travel to Kazakhstan, and I don't know if it's it's. Has you have you heard anything? Is there anything amongst the players there about uh, maybe not not the specifics of it? Because obviously, uh, you know, the the process in which you get into Kazakhstan, it's certainly not something that uh, and why they would have been denied their visas would have been uh, you, you'd be privy to. But what is the sense amongst the players? that you're getting of, of just them not being there. And, uh, you know, everyone really seems to like people like Harold. Uh, everyone seems to mm -hmm. love him. Uh, so him not being there, just what is the sense amongst the players about that situation? Well, just in general, the we're a little bit disappointed that we couldn't have a bigger field, especially since this is the last Pacific Asia Championships. Uh, as you already know and have talked on your podcast, um, the Pacifics and the America Zone are kind of combining for one pan-continental championship starting next year. So this is the 30th anniversary of the Pacific Asia Championships, and it will also be the last one. So it's quite unfortunate that we don't have the entire Pacific Asia family at this competition. And you mentioned Nigeria. They're super spirited. Their program is still really young uh, relative to um, even Hong Kong and Kazakhstan's programs. But, uh, you know, the, the whole Pacific Asia family is always really closely knit. Uh, and part of the reason behind that is because we aren't a big enough zone like Europe to have multiple divisions, right? We all still play against each other. We know each other very well. So it is sad to not see New Zealand, Nigeria, and uh, Australia there this year. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your team, Team Hong Kong. Uh, so obviously you are the skip, but, but let, let's go through the roster a little bit. So you got Justin Chen at third, Woody Cheng at second, and Harry Yu playing the lead. Uh, how... how well, do you guys work together? Uh, what are the strengths of each of them? And just how do you stack up? And how have you guys been playing heading into this championship? Well, one of the difficult things with the Hong Kong team over the past uh, two years, I guess, is we haven't been able to play together as the four of us. Um, for various reasons, uh, mostly COVID-related reasons, uh, our, our lineup did change a little bit from the 2019 Pacifics on the men's side. The ladies' team did stay together, but again, um, because we have both players from Hong Kong who live in Hong Kong, as well as players who are living outside of Hong Kong, specifically in Canada, it's two and two on each side, the women's and the men's. And we haven't been able to play together this year until we just arrived uh, today for practice. Um, that's going to be the biggest challenge, right? Um, mm -hmm. On the men's side, I've played with Justin the last couple of Pacific championships. We play together in Toronto uh, uh, a bit as well. So I know Justin uh, very well and how he delivers his, his, uh, his strengths and weaknesses I know very well. Um, Woody, he was at our with our Pacific Asia team in Shenzhen in 2019. Um, but other than that tournament, we haven't had a lot of chance to play together, although we do try to help uh, each other in terms of his preparation and practice. You know, he sends videos to us and we give them, we give them things to work on, etc. Harry, a little bit more of a different story. He's on the junior team. Same with Woody as well. They're both in juniors. So this is the first time Harry is playing in a men's event. 
we haven't played at all with Harry. Uh, Justin and Woody have when they were playing juniors in the past, but I haven't played with Harry. So this is the first time for me watching Harry throw during practice. So um, there'll be things to work on. I know Harry and Woody haven't had a lot of practice this season because they're studying outside of Hong Kong. Um, Harry's in the UK, Woody's in Germany. So uh, for them, they haven't had a lot of chance to practice uh, since the summer when they were actually in Hong Kong do, uh, doing the regular practice at uh, Glacier Festival Walk where we curl. And, and how long do you think it'll take you, having not played ever with Harry and, and only the one time with Woody, to get the ice right for them, to get a real sense of, of what their releases are? And, and are they consistent enough players that, I mean, certainly at, at my level, you know, we talk about when we talk about ice and I, I always kind of chuckle because I'm pretty sure I don't throw the rock the same way twice in a game. So, Not you know, just, <laughs> so, so for them, like, and for you as the skip trying to ice for them, uh, what, what's the biggest challenge there? Yeah. And hopefully uh, what you're seeing in terms of inconsistency is as consistent as possible of an inconsistency. Right. Um, yeah. And certainly with the practice that we had this morning, we were on each seat, sheet, so we have five sheets. We practice on each sheet for 15 minutes. Uh, we do do or do have different, you know, objectives on each sheet depending on, um, you know, what we're trying to do. Uh, but certainly, we spent some time just observing. Uh, for me, Woody and Harry's delivery. I know Justin's delivery quite well, but for me to just observe Woody and Harry's deliveries, what they tend to do, how they tend to miss. So I've already gotten some good data out of them. But they'll probably take a couple of games to to really feel confident about where I'm putting the broom for them. And also, you know, even through the first couple of games, they're probably going to be working on those technicals as well with us and our coach to improve their technicals a bit. So even after the first couple of games, they might be changing, hopefully for the better, right? So there might be still a little bit of an adjustment after that. Yeah. And how much can you get off of the other teams? Because you, you look around this field, and for a long time, there was a sense that the teams that were coming from Asia uh, at World Championships, that the North American teams had a difficult time icing off them because the releases were so different. That seems to have dissipated a, lit, a little bit at the, the highest level. But say when you're playing Japan, can you ice yourself off of what uh, Morizumi is doing? Uh, or did you have to kind of disregard their ice, recognizing that they may throw a little differently from you? Yeah, I would say their ice is reliable for what they do, and they're very consistent, and we do have to make an adjustment. Um, I think typically the, the teams like Morozumi from Japan, like uh, Kim from Korea, uh, they tend to throw with a much more, let's say, positive release. And so their rocks tend to run straighter for longer. And typically, we'll see them take less ice than we would. Um, I, we haven't seen Morozumi for a few years at Pacifics, but uh, we have played you know, Yuta Matsumura in the last couple of Pacifics. And he would typically take about half a foot less ice than us on a draw wow. um, because of their release. So we definitely can look at them in terms of where they're putting the broom, and they throw super accurately. Uh, but we do still need to make an adjustment for our own throws, and even between our own players. Yeah, because, yeah, like, as you say, Harry, Woody, Justin, and yourself would all throw somewhat differently. And certainly I would expect, you know, Woody and, and Harry being younger players and, and having come through a more modern coaching potentially uh, would, would be would have a different release. And uh, But, again, for someone like Harry, first time at the men's level, you know, the arena ice 
potentially more curl. It's going to be a really big learning experience for him and you. It'll be fun to see as the results come in and hopefully good results over the course of the week. Hopefully good results. And like you mentioned, you're, you're right with Harry having a little bit less experience um, playing with arena conditions with uh, WCF uh, type ice conditions and rocks. Um, you know, one of the observations early in practice was needed a little bit more rotation. It wasn't bad. It was kind of on the lower end and we like to just get them to give it a little bit more rotation so it's closer to mine and Justin's release. Yeah. If you're used to that, like club level, like recreational level ice, straight ice, uh, throwing a lot of rotation, it's, it's hard to get used to. Uh, and it's more moving parts too, right? It's throwing the more rotation, being more positive. So you have to, it's even that much more important to be consistent because you have that extra movement where the more movement you have, the more you can change what you're doing shot to shot. And that, that's just, that just takes reps more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go through the men's side of the field a little bit. We won't necessarily go team by team, but as the way I look at this field, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I would, at the, at the start of the week looking at this, say Korea-Japan, kind of book them in for two of the semifinal spots. And that leaves uh, yourselves, uh, Chinese Taipei, Kazakhstan, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia competing for the other two spots. Is that kind of how you might assess this going in if you were looking at it from afar? Uh, obviously, you you want to beat those teams, of course. But uh, is that kind of a fair assessment as we head into the week? Yeah, you're absolutely right. For us, we're looking at there's two top teams, Japan and Korea. You know, Morizumi, he skipped the last Japanese team that went to the Olympics. Cheng Min Kim, he skipped the last team that went to the Olympics with a different lineup this time. Um, so they're definitely at the, the top of the heap. We've certainly, over the years, had some competitive games against China, Japan, and, and Korea. Uh, we've never come up with a victory. Uh, more often than not, we're, we're, you know, we're defeated uh, quite handily, but we have played well enough to be competitive down the stretch, just not quite consistent enough uh, compared to those teams. And then you're right, then, the, then there's the rest of the field, right? Us, Taipei, Kazakhstan, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia trying to battle for the third and fourth playoff spot. And so our goal for sure is to try to sneak into one of those playoff spots. Is there any sense of world championship? Are you, are you thinking of that? There are two spots available on the men's side and on the women's side for world championships. Is, is that something going into the week that you consider a goal or are we thinking playoffs? We're definitely just thinking about playoffs. Um, just a correction there. On the men's side, we only have one guaranteed world championship spot this year. Right. Someone um, has to go to the still, qualifier, right? That's correct. And the yeah. second and third place will need to go to the qualifier. The reason we don't have two spots like the women is because the current world championship system, uh, which is changing for next year when the pan count and comes in, but the current world championship system is the lowest ranked zone at the previous worlds loses one of the guaranteed spots. So in last year's worlds in the bubble, I believe it was China or Korea who finished last, uh, you can correct me which one it is, but because our zone finished last on men's, we lost one of our two guaranteed spots. So only the winner between uh, of, of this specifics on the men's side will go directly to the world, and then the other medalist, second and third place, will go to the world qualification event. On the women's side, you're absolutely right. Two of the teams are going to make it to the world championships directly, and then the other two will make it to the world qualification event. Is that then part of your focus? The Is world championship a consideration for this season for you guys? Um, you know, if there were two spots available, 
you might think there was an outside chance to win a semifinal, a one-game semifinal, and, and finish in the top two. To have to win the whole championship, you're basically, basically you'd have to beat both Morozumi and Korea. That's what one would, one would think back-to-back um, -back in a semifinal and final to win the championship and make it to the world. So definitely, it's, uh, it's a big, big, big long shot for sure. On the women's side, maybe there's a chance, right? You all just the you just have to win the one semifinal game to uh, to make it to the world championship. So an upset, you never know; it could happen. Yeah, and we should note too that in 2019, Ling and Team Hong Kong did make the playoffs uh, in that event, uh, ultimately losing the bronze medal game. But they, you know they have experience; they've made it to the playoffs. And I'll just put a button on the world championship. Uh, three teams finished two and eleven, tied for the final spot. That was the Netherlands, Korea, and China back in the spring, and they all split against each other. So on the last stone draw, it was China who finished last uh, right. on that. So, uh, so yeah, so that does lose the second guaranteed spot for the Pacific Asia region at this year's World Championship, and two teams will go. Would you guys go to uh, to the last chance qualifier for the Worlds? Because that is an event that in the past some teams have opted out of. Some federations have decided not to send teams. Is that something that you've talked about? Uh, we talked about it loosely, but I believe that if we were to qualify, we would try to make that trip. And okay. I believe it's being held in Finland this year. Yeah. All right. I like that. Uh, that's good to hear. Uh, sometimes those Olympic year uh, events are, are harder to, to, to go to. So uh, let, let's take a quick uh, look at the women's side with only four teams there. Uh, you know, you, lo you know, Ling, uh, Ling's local to, to us here in Ottawa. I've played against Ling. I've had the uh, pleasure of having her beat the hell out of me uh, on a curling sheet before. Uh, but, but what is the expectation that uh, for, for the Hong Kong women's side? And uh, where do you think Ling stacks up with this particular field? Yeah, so with the loss of Nigeria on the, both the men's and the women's side, the women's side is now down from five teams to four teams, uh, and consequently they changed the playoff system. Normally the playoff system would be one versus four, two versus three in a semifinal, and then a bronze medal game and a gold medal game. Because there's only four teams, uh, they play a double round robin. First place will get a bye into the final. Second and third place will play in a semifinal. Obviously the loser will get the bronze medal, uh, and then the, the, the winner of that game plays against the top seed for the gold medal. So for Ling, they've made the playoffs the last couple of Pacifics. So I'm sure uh, they're hoping that without China being in the field, they can be in that semifinal game uh, and, uh, and snag a medal this year. It's certainly very doable for them. Kazakhstan is a very tough team. Uh, they, they have a bunch of players on both the men's and women's side. Um, I certainly re uh, recognize uh, some of these players are, are returning players for sure. And Hong Kong-Kazakhstan games historically have been very close. So um, it could go either way. Yeah, and certainly we are rooting for Ling and, and Team Hong Kong here. And yeah, that, that is kind of how you, you would stack it up. It's Angelina Bauer who is skipping for Kazakhstan. And on the Japanese side, Sayaka Yoshimura and Eunjun uh, Kim on the South Korean side. So two very powerful teams there on the women's side who will be uh, competing for the Pacific Asia Curling Championship. Jason, you mentioned uh, this is the last one ever for the, the Pacific Asia Curling Championship. We're going to the Pan Continental next year. As someone who's played in it, as, as someone who obviously you know is part of the Pacific Asia Curling community and 
takes part in this championship. How do you feel about the change and what do you think the impact is going to be for the emerging curling countries that, that we see sort of, you know, we saw at the America's challenge, Mexico, Brazil, Nigeria was scheduled to participate in this. You have countries like Kazakhstan, uh, Qatar, uh, even Hong Kong, if, if we can put Hong Kong in, in that category of those middle tier type countries at this type of an event, how, how do you think the switch to the pan continental is going to affect that level of competition? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, as you mentioned, the switch will happen uh, starting next season. It was just voted on at the annual Congress. This season had fairly overwhelming support from member associations across the world voting in favor of the creation of the Pan-Continental. Um, for us at Hong Kong, we're kind of, we, we love the Pacific Championships. Um, it's got a great regional identity. Um, for us, uh, it's, a, it's a very eclectic group of uh, nations as well that spans from Africa to the Middle East to, to Asia and the interior of Asia and then to the South Pacific as well, right, with Australia and New Zealand. So it's a, it's a really fun event uh, in that way. And we also, for Hong Kong's, you know, own marketing purposes, the, the Pacific Asia has a bit of a ring or cachet to it. If you say Pacific Asia Championships locally in Hong Kong, people understand that that means a big deal, right? Because there's Pacific Championships or Asia Championships in many, many sports. Uh, but I'm not sure if there's a pan-continental championship in many sports. So maybe the, the communication with our local media and the local fans in Hong Kong and just the local people in general needs to, needs, we need to find a way to communicate how important this new competition is. And we, and we think that it might be a little bit more difficult to communicate than this current um, Pacific Champion, Asia Championships. Um, that being said, it is very exciting to grow the, the competition. Uh, it's going to change to a more more like the European Championships where there's multiple divisions. So the start will have an A division and a B division. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is for the teams kind of in the middle tier, especially on the men's side, because there are more men's nations competing right now. You're gonna actually have a lot of pretty strong middle tier men's teams that will be in the B division. Uh, with only eight teams in the A division, that will, five will be occupied by Japan, China, Korea, Canada, USA, there's really only three spots left for that middle tier to be in the A division. And so, and I think you have more than three middle tier nations on the, especially on the men's side. So you'll, you'll have some nations kind of on the outside looking in, playing on the B division, trying to grind their way into that A division. Uh, and it might not be that easy because there'll be a, a few of those teams in that B division vying for one spot to move up into the A division for the following year. Yeah, and Jonathan and Ryan have talked about this on Rocks Across the Pond a little bit about what that potentially could mean for funding for some countries that if you don't have necessarily a path to a world championship in a given season, that maybe that could impact funding or even the desire for some teams to go to that B event. It seems to have worked pretty well in the Euros. This is basically the the recreating a Euro model uh, for the Americas and the the pack. So we'll, we'll see if it works. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I wonder if, if Canada will pay attention to it. If I don't know if TSN will show it next year or if it'll be streamed or whatever. But if Canada's participation will make a difference in this country and if by extension it allows or, or gives more exposure in Canada to teams like yours that could potentially help with sponsorship. Like, like that, that's the I think the great unknown in this. And 
whether or not there could be financial opportunities because there are a lot of expats who uh, come and train in Canada, if not live in Canada, who play in these events. So who knows what will happen? But I I think you're right with maybe the loss of identity associated with the event. And uh, it goes from something that could be meaningful to just a a world qualifier, essentially. And uh, there there will have to be some branding associated with it. So we'll see how that uh, that works out. Uh, Now, I I do want to ask you really quick, but we saw in the or I noticed in the Olympics that uh, Hong Kong athletes were identified on their uniforms as Hong Kong and then China uh, as well. H- has the political situation in Hong Kong affected your relationship at all with the Federation or has there been any significant changes uh, going along uh, with on the curling side associated with what we've seen out of Hong Kong in the last couple of years? Yeah, I don't think a lot has changed that affects the athletes. Uh, we're, we're athletes and we're there to try to compete and represent uh, our nation, in our case, the, our, 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 our home of Hong Kong, the best that we can. Um, for those who don't know, Hong Kong, after the handover from Britain back to Hong Kong, is a territory uh, of, of China. So, uh, And for historical reasons, uh, we have always had our own Olympic Committee. I, I think just like some other you know, places that maybe the U.S. is, you know, U.S. Virgin Islands, for instance, I think, or, or, or other places like that might have their own Olympic Committee and can send their own Olympic team. So uh, we're kind of in that kind of situation as well. Um, certainly, we're very proud to be, in, be uh, playing for Hong Kong. I was born there. I moved to Canada quite young. Ling was born there as well, moved to Canada quite young. Um, and then, of course, we have our Hong Kong players who, who are born and still live in Hong Kong or who might be away from school right now, but intend to be back in Hong Kong soon. So um, for us, it hasn't uh, affected a lot. The, the only challenge, of course, is, um, you know, COVID's been the bigger challenge, right, for us in terms sure. of training and practice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's nice that this event is happening. We certainly missed it last year. So we'll get you out of here on on what would a good week for you look like if, if we were to, to be talking to you nine days from now, what, and you had had a good week, as you sit here now before the event starts, what does that look like for you? Yeah, we didn't want to, uh, with you know our lineup being new and with some of the other teams also coming in with uh, new lineups, it's, it's hard to uh, size up the field exactly. We don't even know exactly where we stack up, right, uh, with, yeah. amongst our, our own play, since we haven't been playing much together. But a great week would be 4-2 and two in the round robin. That's basically losing your game against Japan and Korea and winning the other four games. That'd be a great week. Our team goal is to be 3-3. Three and three. We think 3-3 three and three at least gets you, even though there aren't any tiebreaker games, we think that will be at least a tie in terms of the record for one of the playoff spots. Yeah. And then hopefully you would be on the, on the positive side of the tiebreaker. So as a team goal, we'd like to be 3-3. Three and 4-2 three. and two would be great, would be great. Um, that's kind of the goals that we set up for ourselves. But, uh, you know, it's very easy in this kind of field um, to be, you know, to be two and four or even one and five. Um, we just don't know uh, how everybody else is stacked up in terms of their preparation and, and ours. Well, Jason, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, as you continue to adjust to the time zone and uh, get set for this event to, to talk to us. All the best this week. We'll be watching along, keeping track. So uh, play well, and uh, we look forward to seeing how it goes for you and the rest of the team. Yeah, Sean, thanks very much. Uh, always enjoy your podcast. And if there are viewers watching or wanting to tune in, 
I believe Sheet C all week will be streamed on the Kazakhstan Curling YouTube channel. So you can just search for Kazakhstan Curling. All the games on Sheet C will be streamed. I'm not sure the quality of the streaming or, or what sort of camera setup they're going to have. But uh, that's what I'm told. Sheet C, every single game. And you might be able to even see some of the action from the, the adjacent sheets. So B and D might be in the camera angle as well. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we will link to that in the show notes to check below. So, uh, so you can keep up to date on all things Pacific Asia Curling Championship 2021. So Jason Chang, Skip of Team Hong Kong. Thanks so much. Good luck this week. Thanks very much, Sean. All right. And there you have it. My discussion with Jason Chang. And again, I really thank him for joining us uh, before he goes to bed over there in Kazakhstan. Scott, uh, always fun to talk to Jason. And I am rooting for them. I, I'm not going to be pretend to be unbiased in this. I want them to do well this week. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Jason's always great to talk to. Uh, he's got really good perspective on uh, the, the game internationally. So yeah, yeah, and uh, a nice guy. So, of course, we'd want to root for them and their team. Yeah, and uh, so Jason mentioned the ways to stream. And as I said, check the show notes for links. We'll, we'll put those down there. And if you're curious, because we I don't think we've mentioned this, 10-hour time difference for Eastern time here in North America to Kazakhstan right now. Although we're recording this before the time change. <laughs> Uh, on Sunday, and I have no idea if Kazakhstan does daylight saving time or not. Yeah, I'm not sure, and I know Europe changed last week, so yeah, so it could be a nine or ten hour difference. It's a big difference, whatever it is, uh, between here and Kazakhstan. But uh, you might you you should be able to see evening draws in the morning here, and if you stay up late, you might be able to see morning draws. Uh, their afternoon draws there would be pretty early here. So whatever your, your local time zone you're in, uh, but that, that's kind of the situation. You're looking at nine or 10 hours, depending on whether or not there, there's a time change in Kazakhstan this week. It's less than when it's 12 hours in Beijing and what we'll see at the Olympics, but somehow easier. I, I, I don't know. Like, what do you like on a time change, Scott? If it's going to be for, for these events that are in the Pacific Asia region, what, what's the ideal time difference for you? Uh, honestly, it might be the 12 hour where everything's just, you know, you're going to get a game at 7 a.m. and a game at 7 p.m. Yeah. And they'll be flipped. Right. And then you just miss the one in the middle of the night. 7 p.m. might be a little early, probably 9 p.m. local, like for us in Canada. Yeah. 12 okay. hour. Well, whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. What are you doing to these people? Make them wake up at five o'clock to get to their 7 a.m. curling games for your entertainment here in Canada? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right uh, so we mentioned off the top we, we would certainly expect japan korea on both the men's and women's side to have those first two spots and uh, see how the fields how the fields uh, come into to shape over the course of the week i don't think we'll make picks for this because we're rooting for hong kong we, we really like jason and uh, ling is local to us and i really like ling uh she, she's always been very nice to me uh and when she's you know, destroyed me uh, in games that I played against her. She's been so nice when she's done it. Uh, so we won't make picks because we can't pretend to be unbiased on that front. Uh, root for Hong Kong here. So, uh, so Scott, anything else you want to say about the, the 2021 Pacific Asia Curling Championship? Uh, no, just looking forward to getting the, to watch some of it on the streams. And yeah, like you said, the last one. So uh, we'll, we'll really soak it all in and uh, try to, remember i guess uh 
th- this event, given that it's uh, historically the last. Absolutely. Wow. Very well said. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Do likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff to help us grow the show, help other people find us. And uh, it's always uh, exciting to see the numbers as they come in, especially as we come into the curling season itself. So uh, do spread the word if you enjoy the show. And of course, do let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out on social media at Game of Stones pod on Instagram and Twitter. And do head on over to Game of Stones pod.com. For all of our past episodes, a couple blog posts, and of course, the merch. Scott, the merch has been moving lately. Yeah, definitely. And of course, all the proceeds from the merch, uh, the t-shirts, all the proceeds, plus our matching going to Food Banks Canada and the other items up there, uh, the proceeds and matching going to the Sandra Schmerler Foundation. So uh, do check out the shop on GameofStonesPod.com. So that'll do it for this week, Scott. We've gotten up, done a podcast. Uh, what's your plan for the rest of the day now? Usually it's evening time, but now you have the whole day ahead of you. I do, Sean. I do. You know, uh, I take care of some things around the house, you know, yeah. uh, clean it, clean the barbecue, um, you know, take some things off the porch, you know, for the, the winter time. Uh, I'm, I, oh, I'm going to a baby shower. A baby forgot. shower. Wow. Yeah, look out. Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, enjoy yourself, Scott. Uh, that should be very entertaining, uh, hopefully, and, and hopefully uh, all is well in the baby shower. What gift did you get? Duffed cloud. Oh. Because I'm a meteorologist. Okay. Very nice. Um, it's a, a lovely gift. Everyone loves stuffed clouds. <laughs> you know, well, Sean you know, was on every, the registry, everyone... so... If, uh, <laughs> okay. Like everyone looks bad back fondly on their when they were a kid, their beloved stuffed cloud. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, first time for everything. There you go. Well, enjoy yourself, Scott. Everyone, enjoy the Pacific Asia Curling Championships. We'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final. 